There we go. We're recording on two separate channels. Look at Ooh. that. I have, I have a sound wave. You have your own channel. You can hear me now. You moved out. <laughs> out of my channel i kicked you out got my own house <laughs> look is, at you just moving up in the world this is now our intro paying rent for channel two if you haven't caught on yet we got new mics we're yeah. not sharing a mic anymore uh you might be able to hear both of us a little bit better at certain times <laughs> <laughs> is that the intro we're we gonna talk about anything else before we say who we are um. Well, we can talk about the Taco Bell we, oh, we, did <laughs> we just, ate before. We just got the deal of a lifetime at Taco Bell. A steal, if you will. Because of the World Series. <laughs> Apparently, if you steal a base in the World Series, Taco Bell gives you a free taco. And that was today. And we lived it up. We hacked it. Because it's also happy hour. And also, if you have a cash card, you can get the $1 boost. <laughs> Which, Which brings your total to a total of $1.24 for three items. Did you describe what was on the menu? Uh, no. So let me, let me set this up. I got a Doritos Locos taco. Then I got a soft potato taco. Then we got a Mountain Dew Baja Blast with confetti in it. Cause apparently it's 15 f-ing years old. Came out in 2004. That's insane. I was 11 years old. You know what I was doing in 2004? Listening to the used. <laughs> I can't think of the album name. Uh, it's like Tales from the Heart. Like that. But it's like the heart hanging on the tree with the rope around I it. I remember that one. Yeah. That's what I was doing in 2004. I don't know what I was doing in 2004. It was on an iPod shuffle. The one that looks like a, a white jewel. That one. I was probably just discovering the Wicked soundtrack. <laughs> Wait, what year did Wicked come out? 2003. Wicked just turned, I think, 15... Two. Oh. Hold on. Wicked. Gotta Google this. How many 15 year olds do you think are listening? Uh, three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that was such a divisive answer. Well, let me tell you, if there's any 15 year olds, you are the coolest 15 year olds because you're listening to a podcast on rock history. Good Sorry for that you. we curse. Yeah, Wicked opened in 2003. Ugh. It is the sixth, fifth longest running Broadway show of all time. It's had 6,681 performances. Jeez. Fun fact, it's where I got engaged. Oh, yeah. On 11-11-11, so... Magical. When this comes out, it'll almost be my engaged anniversary. (laughs) Aw. This got real off topic. Anyway, (laughs) this is not a Broadway podcast. This is a rock podcast. Correct. And I'm Leah. And I'm Bethann. And this is She Will Rock You. Da-da-da. We have new Google reviews. You guys heard that? Not Google reviews. I've been at work too long. Uh, we have new, yeah. <laughs> new Apple reviews. So thank you guys for listening to our cries of pity and leaving us reviews. This one that we're going to read is from our buddy Blake. You guys have met Blake. Thanks for leaving us a review, Blake. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say something. You got really close to your mic. No, no, no. Okay. Continue. Should I read this one dramatically or just read it normally? Uh, you can add be- a little flair to it. Okay. Let's see what happens. It's kind of short, so we'll see what I can do. These girls are truly onto something. Love the concept and their honesty and their ability to speak as fans and lovers of music without an ounce of pretension or ego. 
top notch. Aww. Thanks, Blake. That's awesome. That's our goal. That's one of my favorites. It is one of my favorites. Thank you, Blake. Thanks, Blake. We only have one more of these to read, so uh, if no one else leaves us reviews by the next time we record, we will have none of these to read. So please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll love you forever. That's correct. All right. It's Thanksgiving time. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> well, it's too bad. It's here. Anyway, it's Thanksgiving <laughs> time. A time where we take time to be thankful and shit. I don't know. How is that religious podcast? <laughs> well, let me tell you, Leah. But since we are a rock history podcast, I would like to say that I am thankful for the badass bitches behind the band Heart. Hell yeah. See? You see how that segued? I see that segue. <laughs> and the guys are cool, too. Yeah. They're in the band. Anyway, but this is really... The story, in my opinion, is about Anne and Nancy Wilson, who we're about to get to know. I'm really excited because I know nothing of this story. And I really didn't know that much other than Barracuda was on Guitar Hero 2. Yep, that's... And I knew, like, some of their songs, but I didn't know as much. And seriously, this is... They're just incredible. Like, this is one of our first... No, it is our first time covering women in rock and roll, and it's this, about damn time. Yeah. <laughs> but this story is such a great example of the uphill battle that women in the industry faced and still face. But let's go ahead and jump into it. So it is 1967. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> and oh, because you were just putting this two years on. away from yes, the also, golden year. Is something on fire? No, it's probably just my... Oh, it's the heat turning on. Oh, Lord. Why you got to do that? Okay. Well, I have an anxiety um, condition. You when, can't do when that. When I smell that smell at my house, it means a stink bug's gotten into my Hold floor on. lamp. Now and- I got to check. Hold <laughs> on. We'll be right back. Crisis averted. You can edit all that out. Yeah, I'll probably leave it in. But yes. It, it, my house is not on fire. No. For those who are wondering, I just turned on my heat for the mm-hmm. first time. It's very cold in the space. But because I am paranoid, I went and checked, make sure my dogs are safe. Nothing was on fire. To continue the story that got cut off, when I smell that smell in my house, it means that a stink bug has crawled into my really, really old 1980s floor lamp and caught itself on fire. So. (laughs) We do not have that problem. My house was built in 1997. Oh, my house was built in 1985, but we inherited this really old floor lamp with this very, very hot light bulb. From my in-laws, so that's a nice the stink thing. bugs like it. <laughs> yeah, but it is 1967, not 69, Josh. No, unfortunately, sorry. it is not. But <laughs> bassist Steve Fawson, guitarist, guitarists, I should say, Roger Fisher and Don Wilhelm, and drummer Ray Schaefer form a band called The Army, and they are. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the worst name we've heard. It's not, but it's also going to become a little bit ironic, a little bit in my story. Are they here. dodging the draft? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't read ahead. It's 1960s. I can't even <laughs> see your notes. It's 1967. I know what happens. <laughs> well, don't think ahead. Just listen to the story, sit by the fireplace, put on the radio, and just listen. Let me take you on the journey. 
<laughs> that was the other episode. That's episode two. Oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a really bad joke. Uh, that was a good one. It's been a long day, guys. It really has. <laughs> it's been a long one for us. Anyway, so they form a band called The Army, and they are playing around Bothell, Washington, which is part of the Seattle metropolitan area. But when 1969 approaches... Nice. That one's for you, Josh. <laughs> the band just starts shuffling in different members. They had someone named Gary Ziegelman join as lead singer at one point with Roger on guitar, Steve on bass. And then they have a James Sorello on guitar, Ron Rudge on drums, and Ken Hansen on percussion. It's a lot of members. It is a lot. Uh, but with the new members, they renamed themselves White Heart, which it's is based... Better. It's like, I know it's like a reference to King Richard or something. Like that was his family's crest. Mm. But it's also based off of a Arthur C. Clarke book called Tales from the White Heart, which is a science fiction book, I think written in the 50s. Hmm. But the band would eventually shave off the white and just become Hart. However, in 1971, the lineup changes again to Stephen Fawson, Roger Fisher, David Blaze, Jeff Johnson, and then shortly after, Ann Wilson joins the group. But around this time, they also renamed themselves Hocus Pocus, which I like way more than Heart. You don't like it? No, take the Disney movie, take Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker out of it. But like, were they trying to be like witchy, like Stevie Nicks? 1969. Stevie Nicks isn't on the scene yet. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a fan. I feel like it boxes them into a genre what a witch rock genre yeah that's not a thing yet so <laughs> it's anyway a, I'm i a, like heart better but heart's a good name I, I i never have hated heart but i like hocus pocus just a little bit better but it's right uh but side note guess how many members have been in this band at one time or another like throughout history yes through the timeline 30 29 damn you were <laughs> i was being like you, really exaggerated <laughs> <laughs> now two were for touring only but still Dang. 29 people have cycled through this band and we're gonna tell you about all 29 just no kidding. absolutely i've stopped keeping track at this point i'll make some notes along the way of who leaves but honestly i ain't got time for that no now let me introduce to you the character by the name of mike fisher he is roger fisher's brother and mike is drafted into the Vietnam War. There it is. So what does Mike do? Dodges the draft. He says, nah, and flees to Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> In fact, his home got raided when he didn't report for duty, and he just casually slips out the back window and <laughs> trekked himself up to Canada, uh, successfully avoiding <laughs> being sent to you Vietnam. You know what? Respect. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're also like in washington so it's not that hard to do i'd imagine no probably not you not pay a, you pay a bro cities. 10 bucks to get you over the border i mean no one's tracking it there yeah not in the 70s no no he he did good canada let you in will the u.s let you back yeah remains to be seen <laughs> but one day though he actually did re-enter the u.s okay to visit family goes to a hocus pocus show Ooh. to watch his brother play spooky and then he meets lead singer Ann Wilson dun, dun, dun. and they reportedly fell in love of course they did I saw that coming and they are so in love that Ann decides to move to Canada with Mike after that 
Bassist Steve Fawson decides to relocate to Canada after finishing up college. Then Roger joins the Canada crew. And once the band settles in their new home in Vancouver, the band changes their name back to Heart. Was was Hocus Pocus not Canadian enough for them? <laughs> Hocus Pocus, eh? <laughs> Doesn't really... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but for anyone who's following at home, the lineup now includes... Ann Wilson on lead vocals, Roger Fisher on guitar, Steve Fawson on bass, Brian Johnston on drums, John Hanna on keyboard, and with Mike Fisher becoming the band manager. That's that's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, it's a ton of people. In 1974, they add one more member, Nancy Wilson, younger sister to Ann. And Nancy is known for her, I can't say it, flamenco, yeah, flamenco, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my- <laughs> I'm sitting here just snipping my hands like a crab. Like, <laughs> like you guys are going to see that. You're in the ballpark, though. <laughs> Flamenco and classic guitar style with hard rock. And she's also ranked as eighth greatest female guitarist of all time by Rolling Stone. Damn. Oh, no, I'm sorry, by Gibson. Probably a more accurate list. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but she romantically becomes involved with guests. The band's manager. No, oh. Roger, the brother. Mm. So we have Anne plus Mike. Then we have Nancy plus Roger. Love is confusing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about the two sisters real quick. Because band romances end so well. Oh, yeah, they always do. Never end badly. Now, I want to take a moment and talk about the two sisters and their upbringing. They both were born in California. Dad was in the Marines. They moved to Taiwan, Panama, throughout their dad's military career. And then his da- the dad retired in Seattle, Washington. And both sisters felt the call to rock and roll after seeing the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. There's a quote from Nancy that says, There had been so much anticipation and hype about the Beatles that it was a huge event, like the lunar landing. That was the moment Anne and I heard the call to become rock musicians. I was seven or eight at the time. Right away, we started doing air guitar shows in the living room, faking English accents and studying all the fanzines. That's adorable. Now, both sisters would perform where they could. They would perform at drive-thrus, church events. But my favorite story during this time when they're kind of playing covers around wherever they can is they were at a youth day at church. And the sisters decided play a few covers oh no (laughs) so what do they choose they choose the great mandala the way of life by peter paul and mary they choose elvis presley's crying in the chapel and the doors (laughs) won the music's over oof these songs are known for their anti-war sentiment yes which offended the crowd and at the end of the set half the crowd had walked out that's amazing on these 10 year olds i love them (laughs) stick it to them but that's a little snapshot about them growing up. Very musical family. I know they like uh, their mom used to play Judy Garland all the time and they listen to opera. So it's always been in their family. That's cool. But kind of going back to 1971 with them all in Vancouver, the band records their first demo tape with producer Mike Flicker, who would go on to produce five of Hart's albums. And they also had session guitarist and keyboardist Howard Leeser helped with the demo tapes it is around that time that brian johnston and john Hanna say 
adios eh and leave the band <laughs> bye <laughs> however Lisa then joins the band shortly after as a permanent member the band also picked up a new drummer mike derosier around the same time as well the band will go on to record their debut album dreamboat annie at mushroom records in vancouver i i know it's it's a weird name that's a interesting title. but it's actually really good because i listened to the album last monday and they have like a beginning dreamboat annie sequence and then a middle song that's like a full-blown song for dreamboat annie and then they had a reprise at the end interesting it's really cool it was a pretty good album i like mushroom records it's a cool label yeah mushroom records you're not going to like them in a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry. You're really not going to like them in a little oh, bit. No. It's a great name. Reminds great me name. of Mellow Mushroom Pizza, but mm. not good people. But yeah. sidebar. I've never heard of them. Uh, there's a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> but they actually are the studio that helped with Diana Ross and Led Zeppelin back in the day. Okay. But Mushroom Records picks up the album and the album debuts in 1975. It sells 30,000 copies in Canada within the first few months. Then they released the album in 1976 in the U.S. where it would go to sell over 1 million copies and reach number seven on the Billboard 200. That's a good debut. That's a really good debut. Their big hit off this album was Magic Man and Crazy on You, which hit number 35 and number nine on the Billboard Hot 100. Here's the part where you're not going to like them. Oh, no. So Heart and Mushroom Records... They had a very rough relationship. And after the band became a platinum artist, they went to Mushroom Records and decided to renegotiate their royalties. Very Valid. normal move. Valid. Very normal for most bands when they reach that level of success. Mm-hmm. But the recording label flat out refused any pay bump for the band. Their reason was they said they're going to be a one hit wonder. I don't feel like you can predict that. That's what they said. And this comment pissed off Mike Flicker to where he left the record label. Good for him. Yeah. Good move. But the biggest relationship breaker with the record label and heart was brought on by a full page ad in Rolling Stones where the record label mocked up the ad like it was something from the National Enquirer. Uh Oh, and featured the sisters back to back with bare shoulders, which is what their album cover for Dreamboat Annie is. It was okay. similar in the style. And they had the headline that read, Oh no. It was only our first time. What the f***? And the record label ran that without ever consulting the band. The f***? So as you can imagine, the band's really pissed off. Yeah. Because of the double meeting and inciting that the two sisters are actually incestual lovers. Oh my God. You told me the story was going to piss me off. I told you. Why? It pisses me off. Who looks at that and goes, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's move forward with this. No, because these guys are just trying. Oh, I'm, I'm getting ahead of okay, myself. Okay, I'm getting okay. ahead. Okay. It's yeah. Let's move on. As you can imagine, though, the press ate it up. Oh, yeah. Of course they did. And one day while Anne was getting ready, a record promoter breaks into her dressing room no. practically busts it open and asks how is your lover what inciting her sister you're going to bleep me out a lot in this episode that's fine i don't care <laughs> it's all good but let's recap we have a woman leading a hard rock band yes. which is rare yes she plays in a band with another woman who happens to be her sister yes very rare 
And how do they treat this? Like garbage. Exactly. They insinuate a lesbian rumor to get more record sales. And Anne gets harassed by a misogynistic promoter. It's bullshit. It absolutely is. But here is how Anne Wilson, one of the most badass women in rock history, decides to handle the problem. She and her sister write the chart-topping song, Barracuda. That's what inspired the song? Yes. And they spill the tea. That is amazing. Like, like no other. I had, I mean, I had no idea where that song came from. Yes. Neither did I. so much sense now. So in 1977, their second album, Little Queen, comes out. Great title. And here's the interesting thing. This was not supposed to be their second album. In fact, there was another album called Magazine, which was owned by Mushroom Records. Mm. And what happened was when Mike Flicker left Mushroom Records, it was in the contract that the band was to produce with with him exclusively. So when he left, the band didn't feel like they were obligated to their contract. And Mushroom Records fought with them and said they needed to have two albums for their deal. But the band decided to go and sign with a record label called Portrait Records anyway. And I'll pick that story up in a little bit. Okay. But back to Little Queen. It is released under their new label, Portrait Records, and it features the hit Barracuda, which only reached number 11 on the Billboard 100. It wasn't even their number one hit, which is very interesting to me. Yeah. It sold a million copies. It had also had some covers over the years of Barracuda, including Guitar Hero 2. I'm sorry, Guitar Hero 3, Glee. And oh, then of course, Glee. Cover. My favorite one is Fergie did a rendition of it, which was featured in Shrek the Third. Oh my God. I didn't, I like <laughs> did not remember that till this moment. Yeah. It, it literally took me back too. Oof. But also. That was a bad idea. We should not revisit that. No, but my favorite fact by far about this song is in 2008, the RNC used the song as one of, at one of their rallies and Hart released a statement that they do not agree with the RNC and sent them a cease and desist letter. But then on a Seattle talk show, Roger Fisher said he was thrilled that the RNC used his song because one, it gave him royalties and number two, Provided him a platform to say he is a staunch supporter of Barack Obama. Good for him. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> That's a glass half full mindset. That if is you will. not where I saw that going, but good for him. <laughs> that's how that's how more people who should look at their opposing party using their song is you got to pay me for that. And I don't believe what you believe. So I'm going to sit over here and just rake in my it, money. It, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Um, but my favorite quote about the song from Anne with an interview with Rolling Stone, she says, the sleaze factor really dawned on me in that moment. Those lyrics were written by my true nature in true rage. I hope that the song will come in handy now when women are thinking about what they want to do and not do. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's our new power anthem. So let's return to the album magazine. This is their third album released on Mushroom Records. Merp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how is this possible? Some well, legal bullshit. The record label just decided they were going to release an album with a mixture of incomplete recordings and live sessions. Why the f*** would you do that? 
and they released it without the band's permission again. I repeat, why the f*** did you do that? (laughs) And here's the best part. They even released a disclaimer on the back of the album. No. And I have a picture of it. No. Let me zoom in here and read it to you. And it says... Mushroom Records regrets that a contractual dispute has made it necessary to complete this record without the cooperation or endorsement of the group Heart, who have expressly disclaimed artistic involvement in completing this record. We do not feel that a contractual dispute should prevent the public from hearing and enjoying these incredible tunes and recordings. No, that translates to, we need a bunch of cash really fast, so we're going to just do whatever the hell we want and release these songs. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> you might as well just print, hey, we're kind of sleazebags and so buy this we shit. hate women, so we're going to release it and take the profits Please from them anyway. Please tell me it tanked. Well, the album did go platinum Damn and it. reached number 17 on the Billboard 200, but Little Queen reached number nine ha. and outsold magazine. Ha. Take that mushroom. But what is interesting is that it overlapped with the release of Little Queen because Little Queen came out in 1997. This came out, I think it was 1998 or it was shortly after it. Mm-hmm. And so there was times where they were overlapping on the Billboard 100. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's songs yeah. overlapping on Billboard 100. But it does feel right that Little Queen outsold magazine. Mm-hmm. I do have to say. The band took Mushroom Records to court over them releasing an album without their permission. I just love that somewhere there's a case out there that's uh, Heart v. Mushroom Records. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something out of a video game. And the judge agreed the album should be recalled. However, the band would need to go back and provide a second record for the label. So the band just chose to finish out magazine, flesh it out to a full album, and I'm also going to interject this. I'm happy to report that Mushroom Records went out of business in the early 1980s. Hell yes, they did. Good riddance. Bye. So their next album is Dog and Butterfly. And this is actually considered the true successor to Little Queen. Hmm. Most people just seem to ignore magazine. That's valid. It went double platinum, reached number 17 on the Billboard 200, and has this really cool concept for the album. So side A was considered the dog side, which had more rock songs. Mm-hmm. And side B was a butterfly and had more ballads. I like that. Isn't that really cool? I love concept albums. Yeah. And the artwork's really cool because it has a butterfly and a beagle chasing a butterfly. <laughs> that made me happy as a beagle mom owner. I, I can see that. Uh, but that's pretty much it on that album. Had okay success on it. But in the lull between Dog and Butterfly and their next album, Baby Lestrange, probably baby less strange i'm not sure we say goodbye to a few key members we say goodbye to roger fisher Aww. now x a van bye and we say goodbye to mike fisher <laughs> now x of nancy actually reverse it roger fisher's with nancy mike fisher's with ann sorry either way they're gone now yeah either way bye-bye apparently roger had fallen in love with another woman of course he did no one saw that coming (laughs) so they were i think they were voted out roger was voted out and then mike was like 
All right, see ya. <laughs> I'm going to go with my brother. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go play video games back in my mom's basement, drink gonna, Mountain gonna Dew. I'm going to sit there and play Pong because it's 1985. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but Baby Lou Strange is released in 1980, and it was one of their most popular albums. It reached number five on Billboard 200 and was a commercial success. However, it did not sell as well as previous albums. And sadly, this becomes a trend for them. Their next records, Private Audition and Passion Works, didn't sell well at all. But the band does sign later on with Capitol Records shortly after that. And the record label changes their image to make them go glam, rock, metal, to try and reinvent themselves and usher in a comeback, which does work for the next three albums they produce, which is Heart, their self-titled album, Bad Animals, and Brigade. And those have hits on them, such as Alone, What About Love, and These Dreams, which is their number one. Hmm. It reached number one on the Billboard 100, and it's co-written by Bernie Taupin. Hey. Hey, callback. But it's around that time that Anne starts going through a lot of societal pressures. So for one, she has a drug and alcohol problem. Most people do at that point. Yep. But she's also struggling with a lot of body and self-image issues. Now, she already had that as a kid because she got bullied for, for her weight. But it led to her starving herself and being on diet pills. Oof. So she could be super skinny. Wasn't everyone in the 80s on diet pills? For the most part, yeah. I'm assuming. I wasn't born. I mean... But it's a good guess. It's a good guess. According to my mom, they were all on diet pills. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that as a valuable resource. <laughs> but in the 1980s, she did gain weight. And the record label is feeling as though her weight gain might compromise oh the God. band's image. So they start telling her, one, she needs to be skinnier like her sister. And then they start filming music videos from various angles and make her look thinner and put more focus on Nancy. I actually went and watched one. I think it was for These Dreams. And the video is literally just Nancy. Not that I have anything against her. But she's not she's the fine. lead. But it's like they used her as the muse for the band. And then you just see Nancy from this close angle that they just focus on her face and nothing else. Oof. Just cut in randomly at random spots. Barely in it. Poor girl. It's horrible. Poor girl. And... Uh, in this article I was reading for Rolling Stones, Anne says, in regards to her body image, I've always struggled with it because I couldn't stand to be part of it. The early MTV years where we did go wearing the groupie clothes and the big hair, those were the years I was unhappiest and the most uncomfortable in my own skin. Most other people I knew who were participating in all that thought it was harmless little theater to sell units, but I was letting my own ideals go to hell. Mm, poor girl. Yeah. 80s were not, were a no. weird time for music. I always think, you know, the 80s have been cool. Yes, from a cultural perspective, but everyone was just messed up in the 80s. Yeah. And if you think about it, if you listen to their early th- music, they have more of a Led Zeppelin feel to it. And I think Robert Plant is one of Anne's, like, inspirations. Inspirations, yeah. But... 80s stuff like they had to change everything and they're just writing songs mm-hmm. that will sell mm-hmm. like that's when the shift started happening and then you add in like her image issues and it's just and 80s were so image focused yeah oh yeah it's a horrible that's where it time all started yeah 
But let me make this, because I feel like we need to make this abundantly clear. Someone's health and how they look is none of your goddamn concern. Hell yeah. (laughs) We just need to set that straight. (laughs) Yes. But without a doubt, men in the industry would never have had this pressure on them. No. Not one bit. Look at Meatloaf. <laughs> have you seen have that you seen Meatloaf? Have you looked at him? <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> no one told him. He's, he's allowed to do whatever the hell he wants. And wanted. I'm not judging him. He's fine, dude. But I'm just saying. He doesn't, he's not held to the same standards as these ladies. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. And it's a double standard. Uh, during that time, I'm sure it's still oh, happening it's now. it's still happening. But it makes me furious as hell. It's okay. Leah, uh, Lizzo's here to free us all. That's exactly <laughs> it. Thank you, Lizzo. Thank you, Lizzo. We needed you. <laughs> but it just pisses me off that this strong, badass woman was first, one, a victim of a rumor started by her own record label. Number two, a victim of fat shaming. And number three, a victim of being lesser, lesser than because she is a woman. It's stupid. But thankfully, she pioneered through it all. Good for her. So let's get into their legacy. We're going to skip ahead here. But they are considered the first classic hard rock band fronted by a woman. The band was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2013, and they have sold over 35 million records. A lot of records. Now, one thing I think that's important to note here, and this is kind of a negative story, but there was a family dispute. Where Anne's husband assaulted Nancy's 16-year-old twins because they left an RV door open and the guy pleaded guilty, but Anne and Nancy's relationship has never been the same. That's horrible. Because of that event. Yeah, it really sucks. Like it happened in like, I want to say 2017. Ooh, that's bad. But the good news is, well, one, each of the sisters have their own side projects, but the band did go on tour again for a reunion tour called Love Alive which just ended last month. Oh yeah. So it kind of worked out, but Anne is considered one of the top heavy metal vocalists of all time. And, and I'm going to quote this straight from wiki. Their hall of fame page described the Wilson sisters as the first women to front a hard rock band and pioneers inspiring women to pick up an electric guitar and start a band. Hell yeah. Uh, what are you drinking? Today, in honor of badass bitches, <laughs> I am drinking wood-aged bitches brew, and it is from Dogfish Head. It is a stout brewed with honey. Let's see what else I can pull off of this. It's got a very interesting label. I don't understand it. Yeah, but it's really good. Like, I'm not much of a stout person. I like to sip them, but it's got a nice, like, honey and chocolate taste. I don't like it. But I also drink it after my sour beer. So yeah. maybe don't do that. True. <laughs> also, you may have noticed in this episode that we now have ads. Oh. Uh, shout out to the fact that we migrated our... We made a lot of improvements this week, guys, or this this time around. We got new mics. That's right. We got a new host. Yep. Except currently we're having Well, issues. by host, you mean for yes, podcast, not an actual additional host. A new hosting platform, there you go. which hopefully by the time you listen to this, we will have solved a dispute with Spotify. Hopefully you can listen to this episode on Spotify. Stay tuned. Leah is whipping them into shape currently. Yes. Uh, they don't realize that I yell at people who do stuff. Like Though she they is do small, she is mighty. For a job. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> they messed with the wrong podcaster. 
listening. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, pretty much wherever podcasts are available. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll probably read it on air next time unless you give us a one-star review, in which we probably won't read that. That's for another podcast. (laughs) I want to give a special thanks to Josh Tarpley for our intro riff and Lauren Page Photography for our cover art. Shout out to Blake at Backline and Speaker Tree for all of our records and coffee needs. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at She Will Rock You Podcast. We're on Twitter. There it's at She Will Rock the letter U pod. You can also follow us on Instagram individually at Beth Ann Tarpley and at Leah Elizabeth. J. And as always, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Or diet pills. Or run an ad that's saying, making rumor that people are lesbians. Don't be stupid. Bye. Right back.